Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Crones and a Book. So, welcome to Two Crones and a Book. My name is Shell. And I'm Annette. Um, we're two old girls that have known each other for forever, and we're just essentially having a chat about the latest book that we've read. Please note that there will be lots of swearing, that we don't know what we're talking about, and no theme is off the table, so adult discretion is advised. Very advised. Hi everyone, this is Two Crones in a Book. I am Shell. And I'm Annette. And this is our first episode, and today we are going to talk about The Strange Case of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson, and we warn you in advance that there will be spoilers. Excellent. Ooh, very excited. First episode. Now, this is a seriously old school book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's proper gothic literature. So w- when did you first touch base with this, Annette? When did you first... I know that w- I know personally I've read it a couple of times, but when did you sort of first come across it? What's your, your first memory of it? Well, the thing is, like, Jacqueline Hyde, uh, or the concept of them, has been scattered pretty much throughout our childhood. If you think about it, like uh, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny, of course, my favourite, yep. uh, Sylvester and Tweety Bird. That yes, so yes, funny. Yep. So, it, yeah, it's that concept of the change of character due to a potion being had. And that's been littered throughout TV and movies for donkey's years. So, yeah, aware of the characters and that premise of the potion and the change personalities. But to be honest, I didn't really come across the story uh, till yeah. probably about the late 90s, early 2000s, when uh, I found a omnibus of classic horror stories in a charity shop, uh, which I actually still have to this day. Oh, yes. Some, some of them you just can't let go, though, can you? Some you have to hang on well, to. Well, I mean, it's like a collection. It had Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolf, Matt. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, I can't get rid of that. <laughs> no, definitely not. What about you? Well, for me, the first time I came across it was, I probably, God, early teens, and I was on a holiday... And where we were staying had a uh, shelf of books and they had the complete collection of Robert Louis Stevenson. And it was such an awfully boring holiday <laughs> with incredibly bad weather. I started working my way through them and that's the first time that I came across Robbie, really. <laughs> I remember the two I remember reading at the time was uh, The Strange Case of, of Jacqueline Hyde and uh, Kidnapped by Robert Louis Stevenson. They were the two that I remember reading from that very, very dull seven days. Uh, well, wow. Uh, well, I will say, it is very different. I mean, we'll go into it more later on, but it is very different reading the actual story versus the versions I've seen after the fact in uh, movies and yes. TV. Yeah. Very, very different. I mean, I, I, I really like this book. I like it because it's something you can pick up and you can do quickly. It's a really good time film. Yep. It's gothic, which is another tick for me. It's got some amazing one-liners in it, which I'll, I'll come to in a minute. There's some bits in it I just thought were absolutely fab. But it, it's also, as you say, it's really different from the movies. Mm. And when you revisit something, for me, I think I read the book before I saw the movie, and it was that fatal mistake of, this isn't the same. Uh, vice versa, but I actually appreciated it uh, the other way around, movie first, then book, for a change, which is odd. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's really clever about this book, to condense so much, 
um, story into such a, a short piece of work, he really utilises letters. And I don't think I've seen that in anything else. I'm sure it is in other, other books, but it's not something that I can remember in any other book. And by reading a letter from someone else, he's cramming so much story in without having to get lost in background or details, you know, because you don't have that in letters. Absolutely. I did the paperback version. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did audiobook it? I did. I did the audiobook with the wonderful Richard E. Grant. Oh, see, I'd have been distracted by his, his voice. <laughs> I mean, if we, we break into discussion, one of the things that I, I do really, really want to acknowledge in this is some of the lines that just, for my, my dark and twisty side, absolutely loved. Something for me that really stood out was um, Kane's heresy. Oh, yes. I'm just looking for an opportunity to drop that in somewhere and, and see if anybody twigs um, to the point where I knew that it was biblical. Mm. So I wanted to go and look up and it's really early in the book. And it's Genesis, if you're interested. It's Genesis 4.9. And it kind of established in the character that he, the guy who's, who's reading it, who is Mr. Utson, that he really doesn't give a fuck, basically. It's a nice biblical way of saying, I just don't care. Yeah. I just don't want to get involved. And I like that. You know, they, they, it reminded me that there's ways of saying things without saying that I don't give a fuck. It, it's a clever way. Mm. Yeah, there, there's lots of other bits in there for me. But, I mean, is, is there... What about for you? Is there anything in particular that stood out for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it, it kind of takes me on a really round-the-way journey because as I'm, as I'm listening to the story, grasping the basics, and then it kind of gets you thinking at the same time. Definitely. And it's like, I'm thinking it's going one way and then another. For So for instance, it was very much my initial thoughts were like, was this more about Victorian repression? You know, and the battle between science and religion. Absolutely, that's often forgotten at that time. Absolutely, I mean, you're talking about a time where it was all beforehand. It was all very repressed, and you know, um, tight button collar and all that, and you didn't really express yourself, and any kind of expression would end you up in a sanitarium. Yeah, and I wonder how many dinner parties there was where people turned around and, and used this as an example or an argument against. The, the progression of, of science at the time because mm-hmm. it wasn't like it is now where it, we take it now as, as fact you know if a scientist says x y and z mm. you're like oh okay they've researched it. it it's fact but at the time it was still relatively new concept and it was very untrusted mm. so you can I, I can imagine dinner parties where there's people going oh I don't know that's a dangerous slippery slope you know look at Mr Hyde <laughs> it, it, yeah yeah well you know it was actually used in church sermons at the time when it came out I didn't, was Yeah, it, it was. It was a, quite a regular um, reference point in the pulpits at the time. I mean, that's got to, to be pretty cool as an author, isn't it? To know that you, you've infected society so strongly that it's, it's affecting their religious sermons. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a massive time of change. I mean, the late 1800s, uh, you were talking about social reforms, the, Ch- the yeah. Children's Act, uh, I think the Pensions Act as well. There was rebellion in Ireland over the treatment. Yeah, yeah. And so whereas like religion had been the, the be all and end all that told you how to be yeah. and what to think. You yeah. were seeing new ways of thinking coming in like uh, liberalism, socialism and German idealism. Yeah. So... So many changes, and the fact that Britain didn't have the power it once had, you know, there was more coming from it the was, states and Europe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it was that's just for a for your cis white straight 
men <laughs> that's absolutely petrifying yeah because yeah, it was uh, i suppose when you look at it like that that is a subconscious reflection of loss of control which is what's happening in this book absolutely you know he's losing control to mr hyde yep yeah and the, i was also thinking maybe the uh the point of uh free thinking and the the idea of like potion taking wasn't like uh opium a big thing at the time as well Yes, yeah. so chasing the dragon. Yeah, try, trying to and that sense of freedom that they felt, and but then the guilt yeah. afterwards of having that freedom. And uh, are we going off on a tangent? Are we even making sense? We haven't even talked about the basics of this story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we did warn everybody that you know we would be waffling on and we would be going round about things, and it wouldn't be structured. Well, it's true. So you know, any listeners who don't like our waffle have already been warned. <laughs> But I think everybody's familiar with the story anyway, aren't they? So we don't really need to go into too much of that, the basic. No, I mean, the, the gist of it is you've, you've got a dude who takes a potion uh, and then releases his, his inner demon, essentially. Yeah, and he... Well, he starts off... I, I love the bit... <laughs> right, okay, so at the beginning, you have um, Upton, your narrator... And I like how, you know, they describe who he is. He's this guy who's like, like, my friends are my friends that I've had for life. I'm not really into meeting new people, but give, you know, you will grow like ivy on me, given time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that one. And But when he takes you into his confidence, he will look out for you. And he has a soft spot for those that are struggling. Yeah, so it's all or nothing, really. Yeah, he's one of those. And it's instantly that endeared me to that character. It's like, you know, no guff, I am who I am, and I like who I like. Yeah, and, and that's a, that's any age or time, that's a perfect approach to life, isn't it? It is. Then we get, we get to that. I think the uh, the first bit that really made an impression after that, though, was uh, the story of the uh, the eight-year-old girl running, ar- running away from a man. Yeah. And he, was he tramples over her. Yeah. Um, See now, personally, me as a mother, I found that hysterical. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's you, nothing I find more funny than a child being stampeded by a grown person. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that kind of ties into the in the book the the use of language and events to establish him, Mister Hyde, as as an animal. Yes, definitely, it is. Yes, very good. Look at you. Yeah. That. There's lots of, of animal references by Stevenson. Mm. So it subconsciously conjures up uh, all these wild behaviours. Um, somewhere in the book it says he behaves with ape-like fury. And he doesn't just laugh, he's got a snarled laugh. You know, all imagery begins to, to come up in your mind. That it, it's, quite, it's quite feral and wild and uncontrolled and unpredictable. I love that. I didn't even pick up on that. What's, what's your feelings about... Um... In in retrospect, when you think of the character of Mister Hyde, you expect this great hulking mass. Yeah. But in the book, in the actual book, he's very small, a very small yeah, but man. If you think about it, you know, uh, monkeys as an example mm. are, are really small. Just to follow on to the the ape like fury reference, they're very compact. Mm. You know, but they are so powerful. You know, you would not want to go toe to toe with them. And personally, from from life experience, I always find it's the little ones that you've got to watch. Thank. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it, it's that contained fury, isn't it? it it's not about package. It, it's more about the, the, the inner beast. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to follow on from the theme of, of using um, the, the animal references, mm. 
and, and going back to what I said at the beginning with some amazing lines in there. So he, he's given us a biblical reference right in the beginning where he says Cain's heresy. That to me automatically lines you up for it's a good versus evil, mm-hmm. which essentially it is, even though it's a battle within. It is. It, it is that good versus evil. Um, there's another reference, which is, is Satan's signature upon a face. Yes, I like that one. Yeah, and it, you know it's used to describe Hyde's, Hyde's physical features, um, as seen. You know, Satan, if you think about it, is is the daddy of hell. Yeah, uh, and all sinners. And it suggests by having the signature on his face, he's he's already owned. He's he's already under Satan's wing. And it's all these subtle references that just begin adding and it becomes an, an avalanche through the book very subtly of, of that he is evil. He is unredeemable. Mm. You know, it, it, it's all there. That was, I think, about chapter two. Chapter one, he had already been uh, established as, as cruel. Yes. Uh, when he trampled calmly over the small girl and left her screaming, which is what you said at the beginning and you found quite humorous. <laughs> Um, so in the first two chapters, it, <laughs> Mr. Hyde is being established in our minds without doubt that it, it's one, it's a battle between good and evil. Yeah. Um, and two, in chapter one, we've got we've got the, the personality side, you know, who tramples over a child and then leaves them screaming uncaring. Uh, and then you've got the animalistic references after that when describing him. Yeah, yeah. So for me, right from chapter one and two... It, it, it's there you know that the, this guy is is no good absolutely i, I love the the uh, i know i'm skipping ahead to the end but when you get jekyll's note at the end and he describes the process of how he got there and it is yeah. very much like it he he speaks of it's almost like hearing someone talking about taking heroin for the first time isn't it do you know i thought the same yeah it, it, it's it it made me think of addiction you know, it's that first honeymoon period when you start any addiction or anybody, start, whether it's alcohol, yeah. drugs, whatever it is, it's that honeymoon period. But, it, you know, really, it will begin to spiral before you know it. And then you're going down and, and making some bad choices. You're going down a rabbit hole. And often though some of those those choices that you make have consequences that as much as you may repent for them, as much as you, you might try to make up for them, you can never undo. No. But it's it's very much using that kind of excuse like it wasn't me, it was him. You know, it's it's this other side of me. It's black. When I black out, it's not me. It's the other me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's like you said. It's about chapter ten. You know, where he he admits a profound duplicity. Yeah, it's like it's, I was in my happy place. Well, I woke up and it was I was in a different place. You know, and I knew it wasn't. It hadn't been me. But it can't. It's not my fault. That's him. And then. It does. It culminates in that realization. No, I am him, and he is me. I mean, if you if you took this this scenario into modern day yeah. now, we would not put it down to science. We would not put it down to anything magical or mythical. This this would either be a mental health issue, absolutely, or it would be an addiction, absolutely. Um, and looking, reading it now, uh, and looking back at the time then, if that was the case, for me, is it just an excuse? Mm. Like you've just said, it's I, I can't cope with what I've done, so I'm just going to put it into a, someone else's is problem, someone else's pocket. Yeah, you create this, you create this being to put the blame onto the issues. Yeah, absolutely. Because he 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 acknowledges in the book that there were certain aspects that he he liked. You know, in the beginning, he liked the freedom that came. Exactly. With it. He liked giving into those base desires, and it it was only as it began to escalate, and I think his fear was not necessarily about the 
the deeds that were being done, I think it was more about his loss of control and not being able to switch it off. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a character who had come from a life of privilege and everything had been mapped out his entire life and how it was going to go. And then this yeah. one anomaly changes everything. And like we said, and like I said earlier, it's, it was a sign of the times, big changes that were happening in the world and it, that loss of control and knowing where things were going to go next. Absolutely. And although he's blaming it on a, on a potion, it, it, one of the things that sprung to mind for me is, is that old chestnut of our killers made or born. Well, yes, exactly. That does, that does bring up that issue, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, is, is it was he made by the potion or did the potion just unlock that side of him? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always of the belief that we've all got that dark side within us. It's just what's going to be the catalyst that pushes you to that point. Yeah, and how it pushes you to yeah. that point. So I kind of agree with you. Yeah. But I'm a little bit hesitant in the, you know, although, you know, as you said, any any person, if what they love or they cherish is put on the line, is going gonna, is gonna to break and, and do whatever needs to be yeah. done to protect that and those that they love. I, th- I think with this, it's the, for me, it's the pleasure side of it. You know, Hyde enjoys it. True. Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think that's the line you know that yes people will do extreme things Mm. to protect the ones that they love or or self-preservation in the name of self-preservation but it doesn't mean that they derive pleasure from it absolutely but then there are those that do yeah we all have the potential uh outside of what we even what we would consider uh acceptable behavior but it's it is it's knowing that line of when you cross it and when you don't and what's going to be the impetus to that definitely and managing it afterwards, you know, do you do you feel guilt and remorse or do you remember it with a smile? Yeah. Ooh, look at you. Ooh, with a smile. I like that. <laughs> it, it takes it back. For me, it was, it's all about the true self, you know. was Did the experiments unlock the cage that he'd grown up in, in, in the Victoria area? Like you said, you know, it was very restrained. There was very clear mm. social expectations. Um, and did he just break free from that? And if he did break free from it, what does that say about all the rest of the, of the social constraints at the time? Absolutely. Well, it was like we said, it was the time change. Oh, yeah. There's, there's so many more levels to this book than you would think for such a short novella. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And um, I liked it for so many reasons. I liked it because of the clever use of languages. Mm. And like I said to you at the beginning, there's lots of, of lines that I liked. Um, another line that I haven't mentioned is... is smoothed by hypocrisy when they're describing I think it was the housekeeper or the landlady for Mr Hyde's face yes you know and that suggests that she's she's got a mask on she's smoothed it out to hide who she really is and even though she's got an evil face she's hiding the expressions on it uh, another one for me was a, a death warrant written upon his face you know that implies Dr Jackal's death is a, is a given yes yeah, and that it's an acceptable death because a death warrant is a criminal thing you know that, that's a, a legal justice thing it has to be assigned through courts so it suggests that the death warrant that's written upon his face is just absolutely it's perfectly acceptable i liked it <laughs> it's i liked it it was it was a clever little book you know it's a quick read it's a handy one if you're just waiting for an appointment or you're travelling and don't want to carry anything bulky. I liked it. Did you like it? What I, w- what I would say is, if on initial reading, you may struggle with the language on the first read because of the the yep. use of language for the time it was set in and written. Uh, but you really should just persevere with it. And if not, yeah. I highly recommend the audio um, 
uh, with with Richard E. Grant, he just really brings those. My God, I couldn't believe some of them. It got to a point. It's like, oh my God, that's still him. I completely forgot. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that's still working from '87 uh, yeah, no. with Nell was his first ever feature film. Which, if anybody hasn't watched, needs to watch Whitnell and I. Yep, Whitnell and I, 1987. Absolute blinder of a movie. And even up to today, he was in that Loki series on Disney+. Plus. Was he? I haven't watched it. Yeah, yeah, he pops up in there. So, yeah, he's worked consistently throughout. And, you know, it's like theatre movies, TV. Oh, but his voice is just so rich and beautiful. And, oh... Well, I mean, I think that leads us nicely into the, the stats then, Annette. You know, you said you did the audio version. I'm guessing that was from Audible. It was indeed. This was narrated by Richard E. Grant, as I said previously. Yep. The length uh, of this version is three hours, six minutes. and it's unabridged? From... It was unabridged and it had the original forward uh, for this version, which is the HarperCollins Detective Story Club edition. And that was released on the 19th of the 11th, 2015. Cool. Um, well, I did the paperback version. I did it's an illustrated version, uh, and forgive my pronunciation of this, but it's illustrated by Top Chivola mm-hmm. uh, and edited by Joe Black. I, I picked it up because I couldn't resist the cover on it. it it's, I mean, we can put it on some of the, the social media websites, a, a picture of the cover. It's, for Absolutely. me, it was really cool. The artwork inside is black and white and kind of reminds me a little bit of, of pen art or, or vinyl prints. Um, but the cover is, is definitely cool. It was printed by Amazon, first published. The book itself was first published in 1886, but obviously not the newer version. Uh, newer version was last sort of four years, I think. It comes in at 86 pages. It was a pretty good size font, pretty light, and it feels quite nice. I've got a thing about how books feel, and it, it felt quite pleasing. Mm. No, I do. I do like that. Well, you can sit there and just stroke while you're... <laughs> yeah, yeah you, books have feels, don't they? Yeah. They really do. I do. The, the certain sections, if this like slight matte, slight glossy, glossy, or yeah. when you're reading, you can't help but stroke the front page. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just feels good and, and smells as well. Some books smell delicious. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I'd recommend it as a read. But then I, I would recommend anything from Stevenson. He was, he was pretty odd chap. You know, he, he did some stuff that wasn't expected at the time. Did you know he invented the sleeping bag? I heard that. Yeah, he went on. A, he was had some kind of heartbreak and went on a twelve-day hike, which I think he published diaries from as part of his, his self-healing thing. And he made himself a, a waterproof canvas cloth square and, and lined it with sheep's fur, and he made the sleeping bag. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, this book he wrote this in six days when he was bedbound. Yeah, it was it's kind of like when he was on uh, medications and all that it didn't inspire him. Yeah, and and the first draft his wife because he married uh, an older lady who by all accounts sounds fabulous in her own right. She carried a gun and rolled her own cigarettes. I mean, nice. Rock on. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she um she didn't like the first draft. So he he tweaked it all and wrote it at uh, her suggestion. He he tweaked it all and uh, amended it. That's amazing. But yeah, and it was a bit of a taboo, the lady that he married, because she was older. She was about 10 years older. There's nothing wrong with an older woman. I agree. (laughs) But I mean, I think overall, this might be one that we agree on. Absolutely. We we would recommend it. I would definitely recommend it. As I said, just persevere with the language. You, You will get used to the the use of language eventually, trust me. Give it just a couple of goes and it's... Like, it's so easy just to listen to and, you know, sit back and drink in. 
you know, perhaps if language, that, that style of language is something that you might struggle with visually, perhaps they're better off to, to go with the audio version, depending mm. on, on what you're comfortable with. And that's really one of the reasons that we've, we've done both, isn't it? That we're doing two different formats because some things are better audio and, and some things are, are better written. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because with the use of Richard E. Grant's intonation, it does help you see, you know, the way yeah. the 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 story in the field should be going whereas i think if i was to read that you know day one i might miss the the connotations because of the the language yeah. changes but yeah no overall i i think it's a, a good read yeah i uh, think it's uh, got a two crowns thumbs up this one yeah this one's a, a definite yes well um, done lovely so yeah I, I think really for a short book that's us done really and, and we both agreed that we like it it's a recommendation from both crowns not just one yep um <laughs> I'd pick it up, even if it just sits on your shelf for a while, or you leave it in your car in case you, you're stuck somewhere and, and need a quick read. Next time, we're going to talk about the Bell Witch series. Well, we're going to talk about The Harvest by Sarah yep. Clancy, which is book one of the Bell Witch series mm-hmm. uh, by Scare Street. Um, and we, we hope to see you all then. Um, Annette will throw, because she's good with this sort of stuff, we'll throw... Um, <laughs> all the the information about today's books onto social media just in case anyone wants to see the cover art um, or anything like that absolutely Um, yeah and that's it from me and it anything to add if you want to read along with us just find yourself the uh the bell witch books uh the first one as michelle said the harvest book one the bell witch series and it's it's not a long listen so yeah Check it out if you want to. If not, you know, just see what we have to say and then make up your own mind. Excellent. See you all soon. Thank you. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Crones and a Book. If you would like to contact the show, you can email us at twocronespodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media for episode content and more. You can find us on Twitter at twocronespod.com and on Instagram at Two Crones and a Book. Also join our Facebook group at Two Crones and a Book. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on your podcast listening app of choice. Take care now and we'll see you next time. Bye.